a lot of women come to us for help and support and guidance and but so often I feel like I'm changed as a person because of them because of their story because of the way that I see God working in their story this type of work is hard like it's wearing even eight years later there's still days that I go home and I'll cry because it's just a lot of sadness and a lot of heartbreak think about the darkest place in your life think about the hardest time in your life the hardest season of your life and imagine going that alone imagine having to do that without knowing God without um, having support without having financial resources and the question I was would ask is what would you want so when I think about our clients they want to feel loved they want to know they are loved they want to know that they are cared for they want to know that they are important that they're worthy I mean so many walk in and they their worth is just dirt on the floor I mean it's they've just been shut down so many times what keeps me coming back is that I'm always reminded that God has set me here for a purpose. And as hard as it is sometimes to walk in these doors and know that there are five women that are on the schedule that are all set on abortion that I'm gonna have to see today, I mean, it's overwhelming sometimes. But then I step back and I say, all right, God, you've brought me here. You've placed me in this position. I've given you my word that I'm going to be your hands and feet here and I'm going to be open to what you have in store for me. And that's what I do and that's what I'm here for. I love getting to love women and love them where they're at. We are a ministry that we pride ourselves in saying we are pro-women. We want these women to come in and we want them to not just hear our words, but we want them to experience that love of Jesus. We want to bring the love of Christ firsthand to them because a lot of them haven't experienced that. To have centers like us to come alongside them, to remind them that they have more choices than abortion, that there's more hope out there, that they matter, that they're worthy of having hope, that they're worthy of having love, that they're worthy of having a future that's bright. By us being able to open more centers, I mean, we can just spread that light farther and farther. So appreciate Nikki's story that she shares. I think it just helps, at least for me, give such a better perspective of the Caring Network ministry and all that they're doing. If you're not aware, our Serve the World Advent giving partner this season is Caring Network. They're a ministry that's focused on ministering to women who are uh, facing a tough decision, considering abortion and trying to encourage them to choose parenting or adoption. And in the case of women who have experienced abortion, they also uh, do a great job of, of uh, providing post-abortion support and some counseling re resources, different things like that. We 
have set a goal this Advent season as a church family to raise $250,000 above and beyond our typical giving and generosity that we do here at Chapel Street. In direct support of Caring Network, like Nikki said, they hope to raise enough money to be able to open two new facilities in our area to continue to support and encourage and minister to those women. As of Friday, we had already reached the $190,000 mark, give or take. So I just want to say thank you so much for being generous uh, to support of the Carry Network so far this Advent season. And if God is laying on your heart to consider giving uh, in the next week or so before Christmas, we really just want to encourage you to do that. Let's pray before we dive into God's word together this morning. Jesus, we just thank you for, for who you are, God, for the story that we just got to hear of the ways in which you're working so mightily in the lives, not only of the women who are being ministered to at the Caring Network, but those who, who work there and, and are in their lives in other arenas. God, we just thank you for the work that you're doing and for the opportunity we have as a church just to come alongside of and support um, things that are they're really centered around your gospel and your heart for, for others. God, God we, just, we love you and we pray that as we dive into your word here this morning, God, that you would just give us ears to hear what it is that you have to say. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, my name is Tom Ward. I'm the high school pastor here at Chapel Street in this week to give Sterling a much-needed bye week, and so I'm glad to be able to be here with you guys. It's been a while. I was talking to some of the worship team earlier. I don't think I've been here on a Sunday morning to worship with you guys at this campus since like March or something along those lines. I'm here somewhat often on Saturday nights, but really glad to be with you here this morning. And actually, just a couple weeks ago, I wanted to say my family and I had the chance to come out to the live nativity event that was put on so wonderfully here. You guys did such an awesome job. Everybody who uh, played a role and, and, and helped to, to lift that, uh, it was such a great event and, uh, and just continuing to pray and hope that it continues to have great kingdom impact for, for weeks and weeks to come. Speaking of my family, some of you guys might know that our one-year-old daughter, Raylan, is actually just a little bit over one year, about 15 months old. Uh, and so this isn't actually her first Advent season. Uh, she actually turned three months old on Christmas Day last year. But now that she's a little bit older, more aware, kind of walking around and things like that, it kind of feels to us like it's her first Christmas season. And so we're kind of doing all the Christmas things that you might expect. Our lights are up. We have two Christmas trees at our house now, which is at least one more than I think we need. But we have this inflatable Santa in the front yard that kind of comes in and out of the chimney, which she is obsessed with. And I got a picture of this too. She's got a lot of different pairs of Christmas PJs. She loves to see Santa on her shirt and kind of look down and wave at him. You can also see that her arms are up in the air. About two months ago or so, I taught her how to flex. So I feel like I'm kind of winning as a dad right now. But on top of all those things, and even though she still is so young, something else that we've tried to do this Advent season is, is really be able to, to tell her and share with her bits and pieces of the Christmas story. And it's so fun for us, the first child we have, so fun for the opportunity to do that. And even though she's still so young, it's fun because we know that she has absolutely no idea at all what to expect or probably even what we're talking about at all. But my guess is that's probably different for most of us here this morning, right? We, we all kind of know the Christmas story. We've all heard it time and time again. Whether you've been around church for your whole life or even if you're still relatively new, we all kind of know the story. We all kind of know what to expect. But my encouragement to you this morning is maybe to listen in with, with fresh ears, to put aside everything that you might expect to hear in this story, because I really believe there's more going on in this story than we typically realize. And there might even be a couple things that are a little bit unexpected. 
We're continuing today in our Advent series called Carols of the King, where we've been working our way through some of the most familiar Christmas carols that we know, things that we sing every single year. And we're doing that in hopes to first better understand the words that we're singing when we sing these songs every Advent season, and also as a way to kind of enter into the Christmas story in a slightly unique or different way. We just sang our carol for today. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I guess you might not know the words of that song originally were written by a a man named Charles Wesley. He also wrote the words to Come Thou Long Expected Jesus that Sterling preached on a couple of weeks ago. And pretty much with all these songs that we've looked at in this series, this is a song that I'm sure all of us know really, really well. A song that we've maybe sung every year of our entire lives. It's such a popular song that it's even included in some of the most popular, most famous Christmas movies of all time. Movies like A Charlie Brown Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life. And I think that's the case not only because the music is, is so powerful and triumphant, although it really is, but the lyrics, some of which were later on, later modified by a guy named George Whitfield, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the lyrics are so rich, so it's filled with so much rich theological meaning. So I know we just sang the words to the song a few moments ago, but follow along the screens with me as I read them out loud for us again. Here's the words to Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So this this morning, I think there's really three major themes that I want us to spend some time to consider together. And the first theme that we see here in this song is the glory of the king. The glory of the king. We just wrapped up in high school ministry uh, a little Instagram campaign that we kind of came up with on the fly. We called it the 12 Days of Exciting Things in Giveaways. My guess is you can kind of imagine what that was like, but for 12 days in a row on Instagram, we made a post announcing something exciting that's happening. Details about our winter retreat or something else that's exciting happening in the life of our church. And then alongside of that, we also did some kind of fun giveaway. Sometimes it was like a Starbucks gift card. Uh, Morgan won a hat doing that earlier this week, uh, Bible, journal, things like that. And actually one kid even won a pizza that was delivered to his house by me dressed up as the Grinch, which as you can imagine, you wear that costume to a local pizza restaurant and you get some pretty weird looks. Uh, but we wrapped the whole thing up this past Friday with the biggest announcement yet. That it was that, that uh, we're going to be able to offer a mission trip for our current senior class, which we weren't thinking we were going to be able to do initially, and they've, but they've just lost so much due to COVID, and they've lost so many opportunities over the past couple of years that we were able to piece some things together and offer that trip to them. And so we announced it in probably the most unexpected way for the kids that know me in the form of a TikTok video. 
which I don't understand TikTok at all. So we try to do it in a fun way and in a somewhat unexpected way. As we take a look at this song a little bit deeper here this morning, and really the whole Christmas story, we see that it begins with a big, glorious announcement, but yet an announcement that's made in a pretty unexpected way. Let's look back at the famous lines that the carol begins with. It says, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Now, this isn't actually the way that Charles Wesley originally wrote these lines. He actually used the word welkin, which I'm sure we've all probably used this week, right? Welkin. Uh, if you're not familiar, I wasn't either. Welkin is an old English word that means vault of heaven. But like I mentioned earlier, George Whitfield came in a little while later and he changed it to the way that we know today, including the word hark, which simply means to listen to or to pay close attention to. The inspiration for those lines in the song really come from Luke chapter 2. And so as we take a closer look at this song this morning, we're also going to look in Luke chapter 2 and spend quite a bit of our time there as well. So let's begin reading Luke chapter 2, beginning first with verses 8 through 10. Here's what it says. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I think right away we begin to see there are some pretty unexpected things that happen in this portion of the story. I think the first thing that we see here this morning is an unexpected announcement. Verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of the Lord. What exactly is that, right? What, what, What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we really understand this idea of glory? I think sometimes our culture kind of associates the idea of glory with things like success and achievement, right? I remember thinking as a kid, um, kind of along those lines, trying to seek glory by doing well in sports and doing well in school so that I could get a good report card and maybe collect some trophies up on my shelf. But if you really think about it, that's not at all what the glory of the Lord is. In fact, the word glory is actually used over 400 times throughout the Bible. The Hebrew word glory in the Old Testament is the word kavod, which is a little bit of a tricky word, but it essentially means importance, weight, or heaviness. The Greek word that's used here in Luke chapter 2 and really all throughout the New Testament is the word doxa, which is where we get our word doxology. This word means honor, renown, glory, or splendor. We see this word used by the author of Hebrews in chapter 1 where it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. See, this announcement that the angels come to make is that this king of glory, that Jesus has come, that Jesus has chosen to enter into our world. And not only is this an unexpected announcement, but it's also an announcement that's given to unexpected recipients. Luke tells us that the angel appears to a group of shepherds out in the field at night that are keeping watch over their flock. Now, I think that this is some times kind of a part of the story that gets a little bit overlooked. We all kind of know about the shepherds. We all know that they're a part of the story, but I think we tend to put our focus on maybe some of the other things that are happening in the story. But I really do think that understanding who these shepherds are is actually somewhat foundational to the way that we view the entire rest of the story. So who, who are these guys? Who are these shepherds? Well, simply put, they're a people group who were pretty much considered to be total outcasts in their society. 
Even more, they were people that were considered to be unclean, unworthy of speaking in the temple, unworthy of giving of sacrifice. They were a group of people that were overlooked on the fringes of their society, considered to be untrustworthy and even unimportant. So think about that for a second. If you were to try to communicate this message, share this announcement in the most effective way, my guess is you probably wouldn't have started with those guys who were on the fringe of the community. You'd probably think that with news this important, you want to bring it straight up to the top. But yet God chooses to go to the outskirts of town. He chooses to reveal his glory, to share this announcement, which the angel says will be for all the people. He shares it with the people that are the lowest in their entire society. And he does this on purpose, right? He does this to communicate to the world that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the fact that Jesus has entered into our world is a gift for all people. It's not just for the Israelites. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the religious, but it's a gift for everybody. And I think that's a message that we'd be, it'd be helpful for us to, to pause on and to reflect on in our own lives, especially just with everything that's going on in our culture these days. That Jesus first started with the lowly. That this is a message for every single person who has ever walked on the earth. I think when we begin to recognize that, it really should begin to shape the way that we think about other people, the way that we talk about other people, the way that we show grace toward and, and love others around us, regardless of their status, regardless of their views on politics or their views on other th- cultural issues, regardless of their race, regardless of anything. Because Jesus first started with the lowest people in the society. This is a gift for all people. And the shepherds react to the angel in this passage pretty much just like everybody in Scripture does when an angel enters the scene. They're completely terrified. The Greek phrase here, literally translated, says that they were frightened with great fear. Think about that. Frightened with great fear. I think it's kind of hard for us to to think about or or to to get an understanding of what that might have looked like or what that might have felt like in in those days. For me, kind of the only thing I could really think to relate it to would be if, if some kind of a celebrity, say like Justin Fields or Taylor Swift, or kind of let you fill in the blank, if somebody like that were to have to enter into this room this morning, I think if that, something like that had happened, there'd almost be something like physically tangible that we would feel in, in this room, right? Justin Fields was back there. The room would kind of tilt in that direction in some ways. Maybe some of us would get excited, be pulling out some paper to get an autograph. There'd be kind of an energy and, and a buzz. Maybe some of us would even get a little bit nervous. But if we were to take that kind of example, we were to multiply that by a ton, it would still absolutely fail in comparison to the glory of God. Because the glory of God comes with this sense of power and holiness and just utter perfection. There's a weight to the glory of God that makes people even fall on their faces in awe and wonder. But it's a good thing, right? That's why the angel says, fear not. Even though the, even though the glory of God is terrifying to man, even though the weight of the glory of God is, is so palpable, The angel says, I'm I'm bringing you good news that will be for all the people. Jesus came, Wesley writes, to bring peace on earth and to reconcile God and sinners. 
And so this great Christmas carol begins first with an unexpected announcement about the glory of the king. That leads us next then to the next major theme that we see here in this song, and that is the birth of the king. The birth of the king. If you're a parent, uh, I'm sure that you remember that moment when for the very first time you held your child. I remember for me it was a moment that was really exciting, uh, but to be honest, also a moment that was somewhat terrifying. Right? I, I, for so long, I had I'd been so excited. For so long, I had so many expectations about what it would be like to be a dad. Uh, but there's just something that's so wildly unimaginable about holding a newborn baby. Like, not only is it crazy that it's, that it's your child that you're holding, but it's just so amazing and, and, frankly, so humbling to see how dependent a newborn baby is on their parents. To me, I think that's why the birth of the king is really the most shocking, unexpected thing in the whole story of Christmas. That Jesus, this king of glory, chose to enter into the world in a not-so-glorious way. Let's continue on reading in Luke chapter 2, looking at verses 11 and 12. My guess is you will probably recognize these verses, at least from the Charlie Brown movie. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Next, we see what I'm calling an unexpected entrance. Unexpected entrance. I think it's pretty interesting to note here that within this announcement of the birth of Jesus, the angel specifically gives him three different titles. It says, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In this short, little, compact, maybe even somewhat easy to overlook sentence, the angel announces to us some of the most theologically foundational things that we know about Jesus. That Jesus is the Savior. He's our deliverer. That Jesus is the Christ. That he's our anointed one. And that Jesus is the Lord. That he is our King. But yet Jesus chooses to enter into the world in such an unexpected way. To be born as a helpless, fragile, newborn baby, wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Wesley puts it like this. It says, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased is men with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel, my guess you might be aware of this, simply means God with us. That Jesus is our incarnate deity. Friends, that's really, really good news. That the Savior of the world, the Christ, the Lord, this King of glory, that he saw us. That he saw me and he saw you. That he saw our condition and the sin that had separated us away from God the Father and he intentionally chose to come in and do something about it. That he chose to enter in and to dwell with us. To lower himself in humility in order that he could be with us and save us from our sin. And when the angel announces this to the shepherds, something stunning happens. Verse 13 It says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. A multitude of angels, the heavenly host, they enter in to give praise and honor and glory to Jesus. 
And again, this is where we see the famous words of the song come from. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Jesus entered into our world, and the angels demonstrate for us that that alone demands our praise. Next, we see an unexpected response. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds, they they had this crazy, terrifying encounter with the angels who shared with them some of the most shocking news in the history of the world. And in their response, they didn't even hesitate. They immediately say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that's happened. Let's go see this thing that the Lord has told us about. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would react quite that way, at least not that quickly, right? Like I kind of think I might need a minute to maybe huddle up with all my shepherd buddies and be like, did that just happen? Like, did you really see that? Was it a dream? Like, okay, that did happen. Okay, what should we go do about it? Like, I might need a minute to kind of reflect and think and consider with everybody else what, what should be our next step. But that's not at all what Luke tells us. In fact, he says the shepherds went with haste to go find Jesus. Other translations say that they went in a hurry. In a hurry. It's been kind of a phrase that I've been bouncing around in my mind this week. I'm sure that many of us feel like our lives are somewhat in a hurry right now, rushing from thing to thing to thing on our to-do list, especially in this season, right? There's Christmas parties and family traditions, shopping probably still on many of our lists. If you're a student, maybe you had finals this past week, or maybe you do beginning tomorrow morning. We'll be praying for you, especially. I think there's so many things that make us feel so rushed, such in a hurry in the way in which we celebrate Christmas in America. But I think the shepherd's response here to the birth of Jesus should really make us pause and consider. What does it look like to be in a hurry to pursue Jesus? When's the last time you've been in in a hurry to have an encounter with Christ? Do you ever run to him with haste out of a sense of awe and respect for who he is and for his glory? I think we ought to. I think I ought to, especially in a season like this. We see next that once the shepherds arrive and they see Jesus, they again respond in another way. Verse 17. It says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See, the shepherds really were the first people to hear the good news of Jesus. And then once they encountered Jesus for themselves, They became the first people to witness to others. They went from recipients to messengers. And so should we. Makes me wonder, have you encountered Jesus and received his good news this Advent season? If not, 
It's exactly why he came, right? That he could dwell with all people, including you, no matter who you are and where you've been. If you have received this good news, I think the shepherds give us a great model to follow. In their response, they go out in a hurry to experience Jesus and to then share Jesus with others. This leads us then to the final stanza of our song where we really begin to see and understand what I'm calling the work of the king. I think one of the, the truly unique things about this specific song is really the way that Wesley is able to not only just focus on the birth of Jesus, but he's really able to, to weave into the song the entire purpose behind the incarnation, behind why Jesus came to earth. Here's the first few lines of Wesley's third stanza again. It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. I'll read one more line. Mild he lays his glory by. There's so much that's jammed into those first few lines. We don't have time this morning to unpack all of that and all of the ramifications of that. But but Wesley really does lay out a very clear message for us about who Jesus is. He says that he's the only one who's truly able to offer us a peace beyond what the world can offer. That only through the righteousness of Jesus can we be saved from our sin and made right with God the Father. That only in the person of Jesus can we truly experience light and life, healing and restoration. Yet despite all of that, he laid his glory aside. He came in humility in the most unexpected of ways. The song goes on with a few more lines to say first that Jesus was born that man no more may die. That he came to destroy sin and death and to forgive us of our sin. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus was born that man no more may die to sin. The next line reads that Jesus was born to raise the sons of earth. That Jesus entered into our world to give us hope. Not to save us from suffering a physical death, but to offer us the opportunity to spend all of eternity with him. Last, Wesley writes that Jesus was born to give them second birth. It's believed that Wesley wrote this song shortly after he had a pretty dramatic faith conversion experience in his own life. I think that's why he really ends this song laying out the true purpose behind why Jesus came. Galatians 4, Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, Jesus came so that we could experience new life in a second birth, a spiritual birth. He came that our eternal destiny could be changed, that as adopted sons and daughters of Jesus, that we're redeemed and freed from condemnation and from death. I think it's through this story, both the things that we expect and maybe even some of the things that we don't expect, 
that we can really remember the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus didn't come merely to give us a holiday with presents and lights and decorations. No. Jesus came to destroy sin and death. He came to transform lives and to give us second birth. One of the true joys of of my role here at Chapel Street in high school ministry is that oftentimes uh, I have the privilege of of watching Jesus really enter into and transform the lives of of some of our students. And so this morning I want to close by telling you a part of of Lucy's story. Lucy is a junior in high school uh, and Jesus has been doing some great things in her life in the last year or so. And, And here's how Lucy shares her story. She says, in my life before God, I was severely depressed, seeking validation from others. I felt broken 24-7, even to the point where I wanted it all to end. I was just constantly drained and tired, and I never felt true joy. But then in the middle of the night, on April 16th, 2020, I gave my life to Jesus because I needed someone to save me. At that moment, I felt joyful for the first time in my life. I felt God spoke to me that night and told me that I had a purpose and that my life was worth living. Since then, I've learned that pursuing God is an everyday thing. I still go through my quote-unquote seasons, and I'm still learning to trust God through my low times. But I tell everybody about God. I'm not ashamed to make my faith known. I've realized that God has made me for a purpose greater than anything that I could have imagined. I have no doubt that God is real because of the transformation that he has done in my life. I'll forever continue to give glory to God for the joy and the love that he has shown me. Lucy was on the mission trip team that we took this past summer to the Twin Cities and uh, throughout this school year is, has really emerged as a student leader among her peers. And at the stadium service uh, this past summer, Lucy spontaneously followed God's prompting to get baptized. Uh, just an incredible moment because she wanted to be able to declare to the world she has been made new in Christ. You know, this Advent season so often is, is so bogged down with busy schedules shopping, Christmas traditions, and those things are great. There's so many things that we love about Christmas, so many things that we're kind of expected to do. But I hope that for you, that that Lucy's story reminds us truly of the work that Jesus came for, the purpose behind why he chose to enter in, why he chose to dwell with us, to transform lives, to give us second birth. So as we sing the words to hark the herald angels sing, my prayer is that we not only listen to the angels as they sing about this king of glory, but that we might come right alongside of them, singing and praising and giving glory to the newborn king. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you this morning, God, just so grateful for for who you are, God, that in humility you chose to enter into our lives so that we could experience light and life and healing, just like you've done in Lucy's life. 
God, I pray that for each one of us here in this room, God, that you would continue to remind us that you are the reason this entire season. And even as we enter in this week to so many great Christmas traditions and time with family and things like that, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just be at the forefront of our minds, that we'd be able to continually be thinking about and, and just giving praise and honor and glory to you for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, we love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.